Golden Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. It's our weekly spot with our National College Football Insider, Michael Felder, from Stadium, from Learfield, College Football Cooking and Complaining. Make sure you sign up for his uh, newsletter. comes out a couple times a week. It's Felder at Substack.com. Um, I'm going to start in a weird place just because I, I want to get to some Big Ten here. But uh, Iowa got the news that Cade McNamara, who's actually from up north in Nevada, yep. in Reno, is down for the season. So this not only affects the quarterback position, so now Big De- uh, Deacon Hill is going to be the starting quarterback, but also Brian Ferentz, who has these weird clauses in his contract. Now it becomes a real struggle. I will give credit to Iowa. They're out to a 4-1 and one start, but I wonder what they are offensively now. Well, they're out to a 4-1 and one start, but they're supposed to average, what, 25 points per game? And they're at 22. So I don't know if it's going to get better. I think they're going to continue to win football games, and that's the thing I really have always loved about Iowa is they find a way. But when you lose – 31 to nothing to Penn State, and then you hit just your number 25 against a not good Michigan State football team. You got Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern. Minnesota, Minnesota's got a good defense. So the key is going to be how do we score points with respect to his contract incentives? So this is going to be a really interesting point here. Kirk Ferentz might have to fire his kid. <laughs> so we'll see how that what that looks like. But at the end of the day, I, I look at this and Obviously, I feel terrible for Cade McNamara. I remember covering him in recruiting and then obviously watching him when he was at Michigan and the battle between him and J.J. McCarthy and that, all that deal. And, he, you know, injuries happen and, and they suck and they, they're never fun. But for this one, there's a little bit more gravity on it, not just because it's not just his. It's his obviously, yes, it stinks for him in his career, but you're also tying in this offensive coordinator situation where they said we have to hit these numbers offensively. And I just don't know how they're going to do it without changing a lot of things. Uh, Opposite end of the spectrum, USC and Colorado go in a shootout, what, 89 total. Um, For USC, what did that uh, win mean for uh, the Trojans? Was that a foot off the pedal late in the game situation or more confirmation their defense is really bad? I just had to take my hat off. They're bad, man. Like, I I almost felt like I had steam coming out of my head. Like, they're bad. And they're bad and they're bad on multiple levels. And I think that's the part that really stinks is we saw the size differential, right? When you watch that game, you could tell that USC was a bigger football team, right? Yeah. So. Yep, absolutely. If you're Be bigger, be faster, be stronger. And they just didn't do it. And we saw them get pressure on Shadur a couple times. And we saw them, we saw Colorado make mistakes. Like, honestly, Colorado should have won that football game. And that's the reality. Remember last week I said Colorado can win this football game. And they could. If they don't make those early mistakes, if their special teams doesn't doesn't play, and Dion even said, and this is the thing I love about Dion, he shoots you straight. And he said our special teams weren't special. And so if they have good special teams to start the game instead of waiting halfway through the game to get good on special teams, if they connect, I, I've never seen uh, the quarterback, I've never seen Shadur miss passes that way. And if they connect on those passes to start the game, they don't have to play from behind. Now they're playing neck and neck. And I think if they play neck and neck, Colorado beats USC. Uh, but at the end of the day, it does show me USC's defense is bad. Um, I'm really glad that Fox stopped doing ISO shots on Alex Grinch because he looked like a man that was about to rip all of his non-existent <laughs> hair out. And <laughs> truly, like, those guys, they've got to figure it out. I don't know if it's teaching. I don't know if it's effort. I, like, I don't know if it's understanding, comprehension, if you will, but they've got to do something. And whatever you're doing, in the words of, what is it, Romani Malco from 40-Year-Old Virgin, you need to try some wrong. Like, 
Costanza when every every <laughs> like when George Costanza's like everything that I'm doing doesn't work. I'm just gonna do the opposite of my natural instincts. Maybe that's what they need to do. But they are a team that they brought in all these people. They brought in transfers. They got guys. Arizona State, Oklahoma State. We're gonna be better on defense. And then all of a sudden, you watch them play, and they still like they can't get it together. Can Southern Cal get through this stretch with a, a loss? maybe unbeaten, or is this going to be a disaster? Uh, Zona this weekend, so big favorite there. But then the 14th of October through November 11th, at Notre Dame, home Utah, home Washington, at Oregon. Dude, I was looking at that earlier today, and um, Arizona is always kind of a weird spot to be in. <laughs> it is. It's a weird It's a weird yeah. game. But then you go Notre Dame-Utah. Utah, they know they can't afford to lose another game. You get Cal, another weird spot. It's going to be quiet. It's at. It's in Berkeley. It's going to be. It'll be silent. You have to bring your own juice to that game, and then you get Washington, Oregon back to back. So back to back, they have Notre Dame, Utah, and then back to back, Washington, Oregon. Like you've got to think. Let me. You know what? Let me flip it back on you. Which of those two back to backs do you think is more dangerous? Notre Dame, Utah, or Washington? Well, I'm going to go with you know, the most prevailing opinion, which would be Washington and Oregon. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Think? Like, Washington's incredibly dangerous. I mean, their their offense is, like, sent down from the heavens to, like, just destroy everything. And But I also think Utah is backed into a corner now with respect to winning the Pac-12. And so I think those guys are going to be – they're going to be some rowdy dudes. So I'm looking forward to seeing what both of these look like in – Notre Dame is a team that we've seen run with Ohio State. If you can run with Ohio State, you should probably be able to run with USC, and you're going to play defense. We know that Notre Dame is going to play defense. So basically what we're looking at, we're looking at defense, defense with with an okay offense, and hopefully we get to see Cam rising ever. And then the the next back-to-back is offense, offense, with a little bit of defense coming from Oregon, and we'll see which one trips up USC more. Michael Felder is with us in Cofield Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Sign up for his newsletter. It's Felder at Substack.com. Let's uh, now go back to the Big Ten. I wanted to see if you had any interest in Maryland uh, getting nearly three touchdowns at Ohio State. I, I feel like Ohio State's getting it together, but Maryland can be sneaky because of the younger Tungavailoa. Oh, I love, I love Talia. He is one of my favorite players in all of college football. He, and I tell, I, I want folks to real, realize this because I say it all the time. Talia is Tua, but with no bad habits. Tua had a lot of bad habits coming out of high school, and he had to unlearn those things. He had to unlearn it. And so as Tua is going through his last year of high school, so many people don't know this. Tua was a running back, essentially, when he was in high school, his first two and a half, three years. And then Trent Dilfer said, the coach at UAB now, but he used to run the opening, or the, excuse me, the Elite 11. He said, "We we need surgeons, not butchers. And that stuck into his head. It stuck into his dad's head. So Tua had to unlearn a lot of the stuff that they let him get away with because of his athleticism to learn how to be a quarterback. And I've never seen a quarterback transition more from January to May. When I saw him in January, I was like, this guy's not good. And then I saw him in May, and I was like, this guy can play. And then I saw him in June, and I saw him in July, and I was like, okay, we got we got something here. Obviously, at Alabama, they knew they had something, too. They kept them on the, the back burner until they pulled them out to win a national championship game. Well, while Tua was going through that transition, Talia was following him the whole time. And I don't mean following like social media. I mean like they were doing the drills back to back. 
They were doing the drills back to back. Every video that you ever watch of Tua doing drills on the beach, Talia's right there. And so he never got the, you can get away with your athleticism. He got, this is the way that you do stuff. And it's really cool to see. And it's really cool to see it come to fruition. And remember, Loxley was Alabama's offensive coordinator when Tua got there. Then he gets the job at Maryland. Oh, who does he call up? Talia, we got you. And what does Talia show up and do? Bang, I, I got you. And they go out and they make plays. And so they're really fun to me. I think that that's too many points, if we're being honest. Um, what did you, you said it was three? Is it, is it really? Wow. No, no, no. Touchdown. No, no, no. It's, it's Ohio State, Ohio State minus 20 and a half. Yeah. So that's, oh, so not quite three touchdowns, but it's Ohio State minus, like, excuse me, Maryland is getting yeah. almost three touchdowns. I've watched Maryland play. I've watched every game they played this season. I'm, I'm put, I'll put the money on Maryland. Cause ain't no way there's no, no, they, there's no, especially with the way that Ohio state plays, there's no way locks is going to come after them. He's going to be, he's going to, he's going to shoot everything he's got. This is a chance for him to put himself on the map, yep. chance for him to put his team on the map. They are still like right now, they're still a team that's like sitting there, like we can go to the big 10 championship. So I think he's going to come out and, and let them have it. All right. How about this one? I thought this was really neat. What do you think of the big 10 putting out their big 10 schedules? from 2024 to 2028. And I'll give you one observation because I think it's a great marketing tool and it's also cool for the fans. You plan your trips. The other thing I noticed early on is because I think TV wants the premium matchups, yeah. right? They want, uh, you know, the four schools coming in to play the big boys in the Big Ten. I, it actually looked like the lesser schools got a softer touch because of all the premium matchups, which I think is fascinating because I was expecting Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois, uh, Indiana to just have this slaughtery schedule. And instead yeah. they actually get a softer touch because TV's like, yeah, we want to see USC and Washington, UCLA and Oregon go against all the powers. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of good on good because they want to, they need to make money. And obviously they're operating on what there are three platforms right now, right? They're operating on NBC, CBS, but also Peacock. So they're going to slide these other games to the big 10 network and, it's all like, you know, it's chess. You know this as well as I do. It's chess, not checkers. It's it's literally just looking at what can we do to make people tune in. And I bet you what, I bet part of that is them having multiple primetime games with Michigan State this year. And they're like, why? No, I why are we doing this? They're bad. And same thing with Minnesota and same thing, you know what I mean? Like they're like, no, mm -mm, no, we got to get a good on good. And, and good on good is what leads to, and especially in, Listen, don't think that Fox doesn't play a hand in this as well, right? Like, we've watched Fox. Fox figured out a way to make Colorado and USC play at 9 in the morning, West Coast time, for their big noon kickoff. Like, they also – there's other elements. And I don't know if – I don't know how they're going to work. Um, if Like, I don't know what Michigan at USC looks like at big noon kickoff, but – they're going to try to get those marquee brands in there because they know people are going to watch and then you, you throw it into and you're in Vegas. So the, the gambling for that one's going to be hot because you can always, hey, I lost on this one. Guess what? I can pick it up on the next one. And it's going to work that way. So Ohio, yep. listen, we got, we got, we got, what did I said, Michigan and USC at noon. And then all of a sudden the 330 game could be Washington taking on Penn State. And then at, Let's go ahead and throw it in there at, at 7.30, 8 o'clock. Now, all of a sudden, we got Ohio State taking on Oregon. 
like that guy's like, mm, I missed this one. I missed it. I, okay, I, but I got it. I got it back. And so I think that that's why they're doing it. They're like the goal is to get eyeballs there. The goal is to build uh, a fan base and build rivalries, if you will. Like honestly, like to build a rivalry between USC and 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 Michigan, USC and Ohio State. That's not rooted in the Rose Bowl. But you get to see them in the middle of the season. Same thing with Oregon and Ohio State. Same thing with Oregon and Penn State. To have those teams all like come together, I think it's a really good idea. I want to see what it looks like. But also, yes, you are right. Indiana, Northwestern, even Wisconsin. It's like, whoa, you don't. So you're not really going to have to play these other teams. Okay. So you might be able to win a lot of games. Oh, sounds good to me. Let's go. Yeah, that first year 2024 as an example you uh wisconsin plays uh usc oregon penn state so that's actually on the short side because you should have four or five right. tough games but uh, they get a little break there let's go rapid fire down the stretch here michael here Felder's with us it's felder at Substack. um red river shootout six texas is favored by almost a touchdown is oklahoma going to stay in this game i think so yeah i think oklahoma is probably better than we're giving them credit for their defense has found a way to start to execute and create um, opportunities for themselves. So I think, I'll be honest, I'll say, I think Oklahoma wins this game. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what will Kentucky give Georgia? I think I'm going to give them hell. Like the pro, the, here's the problem. Kentucky's going to play the same game that Georgia wants to play. And when Georgia's in that mode, they are far more dominant. We've seen the same thing with Alabama if you don't stress them, if you don't make them worry about being down the field, and I love Devin Leary. This is a guy I, I love watching him play, but I think Kentucky doesn't have the athletes down the field to stretch them vertically, so Georgia's going to get a win. It's going to be like a suffocating win, one of those things where like somebody just puts a blanket on them and lays on them, and it's going to be a problem. It's not going to be fun. Bama, Texas A&M, I think it could be a pick by game right now. Alabama's minus one on the road at Tamu. They are going to – Alabama, I think, is going to win by two touchdowns. I'm not listen, hey, because I just think that again, I just mentioned it, right? Like they're gonna try to smother this football team. And they're gonna just they're gonna they're gonna try to smother them. They're gonna put them out like a fire and for all the positive stuff out of AM and AM's feeling this and feeling that. Nick Saban's lost to he lost to all he already lost, he, you think he's gonna lose to another assistant? He's not gonna lose to another assistant <laughs> this year. So I think he's gonna come out and I think they have a game plan where Alabama is lights on, lights off. And when the lights are off, they're punching you in the body and they run the football. When the lights are on, they can push the ball vertically down the field. They can't do anything in between, right? They don't have a dimmer switch. And so that's what I expect from them is lights on, lights off. Lights off, they're punching you. Their body blows in the run game. Lights on, they're going to push the ball vertically down the field and you're going to have a problem because once they flip those lights back on, your eyes haven't adjusted and all of a sudden the guy's behind you. Now they got a touchdown. Last one, Notre Dame and Louisville. Louisville's, man, they're fun. They are fun. This is a team that does a bunch of things. Like, they, you get Jeff Brom to come home. I have a hard time picking all these Sam Hartman games because, like, I thought, one, I thought he was going to be hurt for real last week, and then he came back from it. Want to see what he looks like this week. I think Notre Dame is good enough to win. I think that they've established who they are in terms of their defense and also finding ways to stretch the field. I think Notre Dame is going to win, but I think Louisville is really going to give them a real fight because Louisville's a team, when you watch them play, they are 
every offensive down for Louisville is even when you're wrong, even when you're right, you're wrong. They make, they, they operate on levels. And obviously Brahms, a guy that studied under Petrino, we're seeing Petrino do this stuff at A&M. So all this stuff is happening. So the thing for me is just, you've got to make the right decision and always play back. So you can come up if you're Notre Dame, instead of thinking you've got it under control. And then the next thing you know, something goes over your head. Notre Dame better be focused. Don't look ahead to SC. A lot of challenges like that the rest of the way. Michael Felder, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you. Sounds good, man. This is my favorite part of the season where we get into conference and we get into these big games and we can move some stuff to the side and all of a sudden we can really dial in. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Thank you so much, man. It's always good to talk to you, Cofield. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Good conversation there with. Uh, come on, let's get on that. We have microphone issues. Duh. Seriously, seriously. Curtis Harry's in studio. He's uh, he's on the mic that might fall. Uh, it's Cofield. It's JVT. Of course, Curtis played for the Renan Rebels. He coached on the staff at one point. Now he's been one of the voices of the Rebels on radio for a long time. He's also the co-host of the Kevin Kruger radio show. So much to get into. Um, we could probably spend the next hour talking about the Rebels, but we'll uh, save a little for uh, the rest of the preseason here. First of all, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, we can spare everybody all that that, that talk. No, nah, it's good stuff, man. We got we, uh, There's a lot of excitement. I've, I've been out to a couple practices, and I'm fired up. I like the look of the team, and uh, I can see things you know starting to develop. Um, early, but they did get a bit of bad news because you had an incident off of the court with one of their transfers in this one from Oklahoma State in Caleb Boone. So when I talked to Kevin Kruger and we posted the video, we actually played the audio about two days ago and posted the video up there. Um, they're going to let the process play out right. on Caleb Boone. Uh, they're waiting for more information and then they will go from there. Uh, Caleb Boone is still practicing with the team mm-hmm. and then we'll see what happens. I'm guessing that they'll get information before the season, and then I don't know if there'll be disciplinary action or not. Um, these are always interesting cases because you have this good vibe, and then all of a sudden someone runs awry and distracts the team. Um, I mean, you've been around basketball a long time. I know when you played, I think you guys had at least one incident. What happens with the players? Are, you know, the, are, they, are they mad? Are they just like, you know, come on, dude, let's keep it together? I think it, I think it depends on the makeup of your team, honestly. Um, but those are never good situations that you want to encounter. I think that's the biggest thing that coaches stress. I know when I was playing – when Coach Longkruger, even now with Kevin, they always talk about like make smart decisions, do the right thing, um, be cognizant of your surroundings and who you're around when you're out in public. Um, not just because of the, the individual, but how that's going to impact. That impacts your teammates. That impacts the university. Um, impacts the coaches, and just it, it's it's an outward facing um, entity. And so I think that's the biggest thing. But for me, when I was playing, I mean, we had a situation with with former Rebel Marcus Lawrence, Bishop Gorman grab. He had a, a situation, um, and it's it's one of those things. as players you're like. You try to grasp what happened because it's guys go out. Obviously, I think it's more, uh, it's probably more focused on here a little bit because it's Las Vegas and, and kind of the reason that they didn't want to bring NCAA tournaments here and, and all those kinds of things with the Raiders coming in. Uh, but I think the, the biggest things with teammates, you just want to put your arms around those guys and protect them. Um, and I know that's what the case was for, for us. We didn't have all the details of what happened when Marcus um, was, was our teammate and he had a situation come up. Uh, but I think the situation that happens now is you have to be very cognizant of what takes place and what you say 
especially when a legal matter comes up because you don't know all the details. Right. Um, and so I, th- I think it's what, what you guys put out with what Coach Kevin Kruger said in terms of we're not sure what's going to happen or how it's going to play out. I think that's regardless of if, if it's you guys here at, mm-hmm. at Lotus or if it's if it's us on a site somewhere else. They always have to let those things play out because it's not always what it seems to be on the surface level. Yeah, I would assume too it's a little different dynamic if it's like a one-off event where a guy gets in trouble. Right. Right. And then of course you move on from there. You know we we know that the Rebel teams in the past have had guys that continuously find themselves in issues yeah. and like the player policing dynamic I would assume yeah. grows and that if like there's one guy who keeps doing it at right. some point you guys have to get involved like dude come on yeah and I think it's the biggest thing so I remember my first my I think it was my freshman year I mean coach Kruger kicked somebody off the team like like probably this time of the year maybe a little early like mid-September gone right away failed a drug test you're like oh he's not playing around so then you're like, okay, let me let's reel it in a little bit. But then when you get those guys that have the repeat offenders that show up late to practice, um, or, or they're slacking off, not going to class, and you're like, come on, man, you're making us all run. Like the first time, we'll let it slide. But when you're a repeat offender, it's over and over. You're like, Shh. now, now, what, what do we do in those situations? Um, and that's when it, the guys kind of police themselves. And that's when you see either you're going to have a team that fractures or a team that really sticks together. But typically, I know in my case, uh, Emmanuel Adefe got kicked off after the first game of the season because he was mad because he wasn't getting playing time. Um, and we came back and beat Montana um, in that first game. We were down and came back and won. And coach was like, "What do you guys want to do?" And we're like, "Dude, we like the guy, but we don't we don't want that headache, right?" And mm-hmm. I think it's one kind of situation. It's like nobody's bigger than the program. Nobody's bigger than the team. Um, not saying that's what's going to go on right now, huh? but I know it's it's those guys. It's, it's us in the trenches, and that's where you want to make sure that if you're either with us or you're against us, and those extra distractions away from the court is what can be the downfall of the team at the, ultimately. All right. Good news. You know, we're part of the radio team, but mm-hmm. people want to watch on TV as well. You, know, sure. you, you can turn down the TV sound, except when I'm on. Turn so, down, yeah, don't turn it down when John, when, when well, Steve's on. Uh, you turn it down. Um, <laughs> but the, all 30 games this year will be televised. There were a couple of blackout games last year, and most importantly, all the non, I'm sorry, all the conference games, all 18 have been picked up by CBS right. Sportsnet or FS1. There's five games that were not picked up overall in the season, and those will be on Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. So the fact that all of the conference games got picked up. I think they're, the UNLV and San Diego State are the only team that has all 18 games. You know what's crazy? Boise State only has 12 of their 18 games on, and I think Boise State is actually the favorite to win the conference. Just my opinion. Yeah. I'm going to keep pounding I, this. You know, I love Leon Rice. Not really. Um, <laughs> but he is a good coach, and he's got an experienced team coming back. But, uh, yeah, only 12 of their 18 games got picked up. I think that just goes to show about the product that they put on the court. I mean, it's just in those those brands. I mean, UNLV and San Diego State, especially what San Diego State did this past year. Um, but with UNLV, I think it's those are games that you want to see. I know back in my day, we had the Mountain West Network, and that wasn't much of nothing. And so you might have seen a game here or there. Um, but the fact that they're getting this many games picked up and going to be on FS1 or CBS Sports, I mean, that's huge. Uh, not just for these guys to get exposure, for their families to be able to see them, especially with so many guys that we have that are from, um, I mean, was it west of the Rock- east of the Rockies? Um, but then in terms of recruiting, that's a big thing as well to have visibility. So these kids that you are recruiting that are outside of this local area can be able to see these guys play and know that they can have an opportunity to be those guys one day. Curtis is in to talk a little local sports, some NBA. He's going to be in with us for the uh, Big Four as well. It's Curtis Terry here with Cofield and Company. Giveaway time right now. Two tickets. We got a big boxing match in town at the Chelsea on Saturday, October seventh. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, Zerto Ramirez is going against. The common man, Joe Smith. It's this Saturday at the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan. 364-1100, 364-1100, caller number seven. Go out to the fight. Buy the tickets or win two right now from Demon. If you're not going to go to the fight, you can stream it exclusively on DAZN. Now. 
back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, halfway point of the show as we uh, head towards Thursday Night Football, the Commanders and the Bears, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. JVT is here. It's Cofield, DeMond, Finley Toyota Studios, and Curtis Terry sitting in with us, the former running rebel for uh, the next 45 minutes or so. I didn't realize what a big baseball fan you are. You're a Mariners fan, and you actually were at how many games last week? Three, believe it or not. Three of seven, I think. Yeah. Three, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's that place like when you go to games? Um, it's a lot more full than it has been in the last 22 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after last year when we make that playoff run, yep. um, that was huge because we hadn't been in the playoffs since 2001 in that record season. Um, but no, I went to went to the game last Monday. Um, I went to a game Thursday when J.P. Crawford hit the walk-off. Um, and then Saturday afternoon when we, we laid an egg against the Rangers and we got put out of the playoff contention. But no, nah, uh, it used to be Safeco Field, but T-Mobile Park, is it's a fun place. It's, it's lively now, and I think that city needs it, especially from a baseball standpoint because it's been so long. But I think that we are so close that it, I a lot of Seattle fans are kind of pissed off right now because we are so close. We didn't make any moves to really try to up the team at the deadline. Must be nice. Well, he's an Angels fan, so it's just been a oh. disaster. Well, yeah, it's over for oh, you guys. Sure. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It was nice while it happened. I mean, I guess it was nice. I don't know. I never saw him play meaningful baseball. But it was nice to cheer for Shohei Otani and Mike Trout for a while. Right. That's got to be fun, though. Are there certain teams that you'll you'll still root for when Otani's on that team? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what if it's one of the great villains of baseball? What if I'm it's not, like the Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, Mets? I'm not that big of like – I'm not like that kind of a fan. Okay. Like, Otani's awesome. Yeah. He deserves after, – after dealing with what he dealt with with this franchise for that long, huh? he deserves to find success almost pretty much anywhere he goes. So even if it's the evil empire, which it won't be. He's not going to go to the Yankees or the Mets. Um, I think I'll be fine even if it's with the Dodgers. I mean, we were saying early in the show, Curtis, that you know the team we really need to root for – you can root for your regular team, but no. if they're not in, it should be the Phillies with former Rebel Bryson Stott and uh, Uber star, megastar Bryce Harper oh, from Vegas. Former Coyote, CSN Coyote, right? Mm-hmm. Come That's on. a good point. Yeah, let's yep. go. Uh, give me the uh, Stott Grand Slam yesterday. Into the corners, and Stott drives one to right. That's deep. That is gone. A Grand Slam for Stott. Nice. That's awesome. Phillies fans went Ballistic. Did you guys did you guys see the clip and listen to it when there was no radio or no TV call on it? Well, I mean, that was almost we we played it earlier, but the the look I got from both, you know, what, can we play it again? This is going to work this time with no announcer. It's going to work this time on radio. It doesn't work as well without the video, but it helps when you go when it goes back to back. When you just heard that one with the call and then yeah. without it, I mean, I, I watched it on Twitter. I mean, that's I got goosebumps. That was really. I cool. mean, for Bryson to be able to pull that off, the Las Vegas kid from from Do, uh, I mean, what 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 he's doing after last year and upping his average this year, I mean, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, and he got screwed as every prospect did because of COVID. He, he couldn't play baseball for a year. Right. Everyone forgets about that. You know that he basically. Went quickly into the majors, and he's been good. How fun has it got to be, though, for him and Bryce to be on the same team? Oh, yeah. I mean, we both be Vegas guys, yep. um, spend time here, obviously, in the offseason, and go to have that, have that fun and kind of success and be able to, like, to genuinely – obviously, you cheer on your teammates, but, like, to genuinely see, like, the guy you looked up to growing up and then the kid that you kind of, like, you just kind of groom coming up afterwards just to have that kind of success has got to be cool. You imagine being on the verge, say, if he continues to do this, like, at least infielder who can go – 20, 20 homers and, and uh, steals and then like 75 ribs hit for average. Mm. I mean, he's, what is he, $15 million a year player? 
Get oh, a long-term stock? Plan? Yeah. Probably more, right? I mean, money's, I, I think money's probably growing a little yep. bit. So, so like five-year, $75 yep. million dollar deal? That's nice. <laughs> I'll take it. Good. I was going to say it's a good career. <laughs> I just can't, I can't hit a baseball, but. Funny thing is, uh, and I have no idea how much he's going to make for his career. We're kind of jumping ahead here. Uh, NBA money's pretty good. Some NBA, some NBA rebels have made a lot of money over the years, and I mean, What's going to happen with Chris Wood? Chris, I mean, Chris has already made a good amount of money. Yeah. He goes to the Lakers and they win, and LeBron's you know bragging about him being a, a contributor. If, if that happens, right? It's not guaranteed to happen, but he's going to make he's going to make a lot more money. I mean, C. Wood got paid when he went down to was it Houston. Went yeah. down to Houston, got paid. Mm-hmm. Um, the one comment that kind of, and I love C. Wood. Obviously, I was on staff at UNLV with with Dave Rice when uh, when C. Wood was a rebel, but. For him, the one thing, the comment that didn't sit well with me is when he came to L.A. and he was like, this, I grew up a Laker fan and wanted to play with LeBron. He's like, this is going to be my most spirited and like focused season since I went undrafted. Right. Ah, uh, that's just – so that – Should have been every year. Exactly, especially yeah. being an undrafted guy. Yeah. I think I'm trying to bust my butt every year. But then after you get that big deal and knowing what you can provide, I mean, that just kind of leaves you like wanting more, thinking, does he still have more in the tank if he doesn't give it every night? Well, not only undrafted guy, but undrafted for, I think we could all argue, probably reason like self-destructive reasons, for right? Sure. Like not taking it seriously with his body. Yeah, self-inflicted. There we yeah. go. Uh, self-destructive. Well, was it, it was like 17% or. body fat as a 19-year-old who weighed like 200 pounds yeah. at 6'11". Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll just leave it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we love him. We love him. <laughs> no, I do too. I, I, you'll, you'll always see me tweet out that he's the best big man of the century for UNLV. I, I always root for him. He's gonna he's gonna have a huge impact on this team. I mean, playing alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron. I mean, being able to stretch the floor and then being able to block shots and pass and run the lane. It's all there for him. It's like you got to bust it every night and you got to play defense every night. But that's the, that's the thing with I mean, cause you're not LeBron's, playing for Darvin. LeBron's Ham. gonna sit out his games. Yep. Anthony Davis gonna sit out his games. So the other guys yep. gonna bring it. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Austin Reeves, but who knows. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, Curtis Harry continues with us. CT in studio here at the Finley Toyota Studios. JVT, SC, and uh, Demon. I don't like DC. I've been looking forward. DC in the sunshine. I've been been looking forward to – that's a good point. He could be the new DC. Uh, I've been looking forward to this convo. When I saw this clip on – what is it? First take, right? Stephen A. Show, uh-huh. and he decided to get into Travis Kelsey and Swift. Now we know Travis Kelsey and his brother the other day, Jason, on their podcast were kind of suggesting that oh, the NFL's gotten out of control with this relationship. I mean, kind of taking advantage of us. And a lot of people have looked at it and they're like, "Wait a second, what? <laughs> like this is what you wanted, and now you're saying it's it's too much." Here's Stephen A. coming out strong and saying, "Come on, Trav." Travis Kelsey, stop. Bro, you did this. Yes. Not the NFL. Right. The NFL, can't, listen, if the NFL got 27 million viewers, more power to them. You understand? What about Taylor Swift? She's sitting up there promoting her new al- uh, album. It's an entertainment Bowl, I'm saying, super, doing the Super Bowl last year. You know, you being at NFL games, that ain't helping you. Don't you got a movie coming out? Did you make $6 billion in a concert? You know what you're doing. She's a marketing Hold genius. Up. Taylor Swift does not need the NFL's help. Time out. Hold up. Time out. <laughs> Do you want to say it? Well, what we Just say all the, the time. Let's not lose attention, the, like, the focus on this, but. Well, it, it, Molly's not the only one that does this, but, like, let them cook, right? Let the person who's speaking speak. <laughs> you don't need to, yes, uh-huh, hold on. Like, you don't need the commentary in the background. It's Stephen A. Mm-hmm. He's already proven you will go bye-bye if you cut him off. That's right, Stephen. Let's not. 
Darrell. What's going on here? Let's not derail CNA. <laughs> we'll get to her point, whatever she was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, is Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. being completely ridiculous here? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It depends how you find, define ridiculous. I think him and Jason, I mean, they obviously cooked this one up on their own. They, they poured gas on this fire. Um, I think the NFL is smart. I mean, they'd be fools to not jump on and capitalize. I mean, Taylor Swift, she's the biggest pop star in the history of music and entertainment right now. And she does have a new movie coming out. I mean, she her tickets were like $25,000 a seat or whatever it was, something crazy for floor seats and backstage passes. But I don't think he thought that he would he, – like, you got to shoot your shot. When he shot his shot, I don't think he thought he was going to make it or even, you know what I mean, get a putback. But I, I think <laughs> – he happened to get, he got a tip in, and now she's getting some action with her. This is a part of it. Like, this is what you signed up for. So, it, you've got to ride with it. Let's keep it clean. Next one. Billionaires go after more money. It ain't about what you need. Everybody's greedy, Molly. It's America. America. She's one of them. She's a marketing genius, okay? That's number one. Number two. Number two. No. Travis Kelsey, you were once a part of a reality dating series. Yeah. What is it? Catching, Catching Kelsey. Kelsey. In which 50 women, one from each state, was pursuing Travis Kelsey. Brother, brother, that's somebody. No, uh-huh, I did not. Uh-huh, you sure? Anyway, the point is, the bottom Guys, line is. That was, bottom, that was no, foul. No, 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 we just mess with you because you mess with us. Wait, did she, did she? She just got mad because they busted on her saying that she watched uh, just, Catching Kelsey. I thought she was going to thought she applied to be on the show. How, how funny. Was oh, that? is that what they said? I don't know. That, oh, maybe I, I missed maybe that. I'd apply. I'm all about the money, man. Let's go. <laughs> do we have to play that again to see if that was a joke that she applied to be on the show? I think we do. Okay. That's what I was. Play it. Billionaires go after more money. It ain't about what you need. Everybody's greedy, Molly. It's America. America. She's one of them. She's a marketing genius, okay? That's number one. Number two. Number two. No. Travis Kelsey, you were once a part of a reality dating series. Yeah. What is it, Catching Kelsey, in which 50 women, one from each state, was pursuing Travis Kelsey. Brother, brother, that's somebody. No, uh-huh, I did not. Uh-huh, you sure? Anyway, the point is, the bottom Guys, line is. That was, bottom, that was foul. No, no, we just mess with you because you mess with us. All right, they, clearly, they clearly did something, either pointed at her or something like that because there was nothing that was said. She just out of nowhere just said, no, I did not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they indicated that she's not. She I'm going lying. to find the video right now. Yeah. yeah. No, they could have also edited okay, it out. But also, here's the thing. Don't. <laughs> we're, we're, is this from the, the clip we played yesterday? So the clip we played yesterday was from their podcast where he said, uh, the headline was, Travis Kelsey says you know, Taylor Swift maybe is a little too much or whatever, the, whatever right. word he used. His brother used that word and then cut him off like 10 times and said, yeah, you think that, don't you? And Kelsey was just like, yeah, well, yeah, what do you think, Jason? Like, he didn't even talk. So I, I, what I'm start, I mean, what I feel, because again, like, so people that are, Football fans are just, I mean, the average football fan. I think they're getting upset because they keep cutting to Taylor Swift and they want to watch the football game. Um, and I think maybe maybe Travis is catching some flack from social media and people saying, you dating this chick is taking away from football. And so maybe that's why he's saying to kind of slow it down. So he's trying to play both sides here maybe in this equation. Because, uh, you, you, I mean, let's, let's be real. If you, if, you, if you piss off T-Swift and the Swifties, you're toast. I, but you, at the same time, you can't piss off the Chiefs fans and the NFL fans. It's a slippery slope here. I just love I love how we, who we are as a society, right? We first get Travis Kelsey, and we all laugh at the story of him with the friendship bracelet and Taylor Swift. She goes to the Chiefs game for the Bears. We love it. It's great. It's, uh, it's all social media is talking about. Now, two weeks, two weeks after that, the conversation is, is it too much? Is it too much? Like, we, we, we have a two-week cycle. Travis Kelsey jersey sales going up 300% doesn't sound too much to me. That sounds awesome. Yeah. 
What's the problem here? Like, my viewing has not changed just because they showed Taylor Swift a couple more times in the booth. No, not at all. I mean, if anything, that's when I look down and I, I scroll through the feed for a second. Let's be real. It's going to become too much of a problem when the Chiefs lose and she's there. Then there's going to be an issue. I mean, they should have showed Blake Lively more. <laughs> she was in Kansas City. You wanted to meet up with her. She didn't want to talk before or after right, the show to save her voice. Exactly. And you let the world know you got a bracelet. little bracelet made for her and you wanted to give her your phone number. Come on, bro. Come on now. Maybe it's a bit excessive. People trying to capitalize off of it intention-wise, monetizing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Kelsey brothers on the podcast were kind of stirring the pot. Mm-hmm. He likes all the attention. He's going to benefit from it massively. Their brand, the Kelsey's, benefit from it. He's fine. And you're right. Maybe, maybe it'll become an issue if the Chiefs lose. But anyone who would blame – you know, any sort of distraction as to why the Chiefs are losing are foolish. So let's stop. I mean, but let's, let's be real. The real star in all this is the mom, is, is Donna Kelsey. I mean, the, the fun that she's having, yeah. and she's she's flying coast to coast and catching both games. I mean, that's just got to be fun. And the fact that she's just besties with, with Taylor now, I mean, that's got to be every every mom's dream for their, for their son to be dating Taylor Swift. So you're down with the theory that they've actually been dating for a lot longer, right? I think longer than they, they, than we all know about. Right, just a little bit. Like really dating. You know, this is not some kind of work to benefit both sides. Like you actually think they're dating. Indirectly, I think it is. They're benefiting both sides. But you don't go hang out with mom on the second date. Yep. Thank you. I don't want you hanging out even, with mom. Not even hang out with mom. They acted like they knew each other. Yeah, like, like oh, they, hey, Donna, yep. how are you? Yep. Did you go shopping this week? What'd you get? Mm-hmm. No, come on, man. I don't want you hanging out with my mom that soon. Because yep. then that's just putting, that's putting pressure on me. Telling you, and let's be real. Sometimes moms choose up, and so mom might choose. T, in this case, mom might choose T Swift instead of t- Travis. That's where I'm at. Um, yeah, it, it happens to me too. <laughs> they <laughs> always, the, the, my parents or my mom always likes the, uh, the the SO, the different SOs over the years. But like, if they're, but they're both pretty. I would assume they both have people that are very smart in terms of money and branding, mm-hmm. right? So the connection probably happened organically. However, it happened, and then when you're talking with each other, hey, you know what? We're both really rich and famous. Let's make this work to our advantage. And also do something. Like, this. it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it could be a lot worse. How about, you know, the NFL really never took advantage of prior instances. They never jumped on Danica and Rodgers. They never jumped on Olivia Munn and Rodgers. But, but Munn and, and Danica I'm not saying there's not. big – they're nowhere near yeah. – but they, they did nothing. Because they they're not early. stars. Danica Patrick is, was no, pretty big. No, no. Different, different kind of stars. Taylor, Taylor Swift is like a stratosphere of her own. At the same time, though, I think the key thing is Travis Kelsey here in this case. He likes to be in the spotlight. He likes oh, yeah. the attention. Rodgers doesn't want any part of it. I mean, hence the going in the silent retreat, sitting in the dark by yourself. So I think there's – No, here – uh, I don't think he likes the attention like Travis likes the attention. Aaron Rodgers – He's not going to play into it. Loves attention. But he's not going to play into it publicly. He plays into attention all the time. He just likes it in a different way. But he loves attention. Yeah. Absolutely he's, loves He's it. playing off of Kelsey – Yes. And Swift with Mr. Pfizer the other day. He yeah. called he called uh, Kelsey Mr. Pfizer, which then McAfee's like, oh, back to the uh, vaccine stuff. So, like John says, Aaron Rodgers is sneaky about it's it, like but he loves attention. Jabs. Yeah. Subtly underhanded. I'm going to let you know I'm here. Of course. And I want you to know, but then he can sit back and go, I know I don't like attention. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let's stay on this path. Uh, some NBA news. Obviously, we, well, had, Lively, I we had Dame <laughs> go to we had Dame go to Milwaukee. I didn't realize was there something going on around all this with uh, Lillard and his marital status. No, so okay, so this is it's obviously I, I shouldn't get happy. I kind of got happy. Yeah, you got really jacked up. She's choosing up like Donna, like Donna. No, so so this is this is <laughs> no, this is totally a personal story. This is totally a personal story that ties into Damian Lillard. 
So during summer league, when we were out here, I actually got to hang out with people that worked for the Portland Trailblazers. Not like massive status or whatever, but I got to talk to people that were around the team. This is like the only journalistic thing I've ever done. I didn't report anything. But in talking with them, and I thought it was like some like, okay, whatever, dude. It was that actually that Lillard actually wasn't really a big fan of moving from Portland, and that part of what was going on was some personal issues, including you know on the verge of divorce with his wife. Mm. And I heard you know I heard this back at summer league, and I'd never really read anything about it. I was like, all right, whatever, man. Like you know you're talking about. So it comes public today, and it just kind of made me view things in a different light, right? So this has been going on with Damian Lillard for a while. I've kind of been turned off by his commentary with the whole. Hey, you know, this whole thing is shocking and different. And they're like, dude, you chose this, right? You wanted to get traded. But if you've been going through this big personal change in your life, and maybe there is some truth to what I heard with that, maybe this was driven by the agent as opposed to Lillard's personal choices to get out of Portland. Maybe there's actually two something to Damian Lillard constantly making the comments like he's kind of blindsided by all this, when in reality it seems to us, at least on the surface, that this was something that was asked for by him. That's that's all. I think it makes a little more there's, sense. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'm connected. That's yeah. the first thing. <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> that one I wonder if Curtis has any connections in the NBA. None. No, no. <laughs> how's, your brother, how's your brother doing? Uh, he's doing good. They're actually in Hawaii about to play the Clippers on Sunday. But uh, lose and then, the they're, then they're going to Seattle to play the Clippers at Climate Pledge. I'm going to be up there for that game. Well, Tell people who uh, don't know who they is. Uh, Who's that? The Utah Jazz. He's, yeah. Jason's an assistant coach for the Utah Jazz. So they're, they're playing the Clippers okay. and Steve Ballmer in Hawaii. Um, and that game's going to be a uh, – Relief efforts going towards yeah towards Maui, and then they go to Seattle to kind of play that bring the Sonics back game because of Steve Ballmer and his ties to Microsoft. But I think it's interesting that that now it comes out about Damian Lillard and his marital status and getting a divorce uh, because then it kind of piggybacks on what uh, Drew's wife said, Lauren Holiday, in terms yep. of them being blindsided. Um, and I I mean I show em- empathy and sympathy and compassion for for them and families and, and couples that go through that. And when you have kids, but the fact that you have to up and move right away, I mean that's you're in a financial position to be able to do that. But the one thing I do know personal from personal experience with both my brother, um, Jason, and with Isaiah Thomas is that when you have to uproot your family and move them cross country in the middle of a school year or school just started, yeah. or, okay, you're going to stay here and we're going to go till Christmas break or Thanksgiving break, and then you're going to come and meet the family there. Um, those are the situations that can, can cause strain on relationships. Um, but if you've already have something that's being stressful and strenuous, that can just add more to it. So I think that's an interesting dynamic because me personally, being from Pacific Northwest, Portland being what it is, I'd pick Portland over Milwaukee. But well, in this case, Milwaukee has, has the Greek freak. So now can I make the joke? About his personal status, his life. No wonder he wanted to go to Miami, right? Mm. He knew he was getting divorced. Yeah, I guess. guess yeah, <laughs> I'm just staring at Curtis. I'm like, I had an answer. I'm gonna leave. I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that comment in my head. But I think the the best tagline. I'm mad I didn't think about it. Is when they announced the trade. I don't know who came up with it first, but they the Bucks put out a picture of of Giannis and Dame, and they keyed it and, and captioned it "Freak Time" instead of Dame Time, Greek Freak, Freak ah. Time. I thought that was fun. Very tasteful. Nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got less than two minutes left. We want to break down Holiday to the Celtics. Harden still with the Sixers. What do we think? James being James right now, James Harden. I think it's weird. It's interesting that it came out that M.A. Udoka made the decision to go with Fred Van Vliet. Um, But I guess if, if it makes sense, if you have that young team and James says, I want to come back and be the scoring champion, that's if he comes with that. That mindset it's gonna it's gonna implode that team. Um, the, the Heat dropped the ball. That's Jimmy Butler. That's what he should be mad about. I mean, yep. that, that the Heat dropped the ball and they couldn't go get Drew because um, that's who you needed and who you should have got because that changes everything. But right now, the, the Heat went from being in the finals to now they're. I mean, they're 
They might still make it the eighth seed or get the playing but Don, why did all that happen? The arrogance of Heat culture. It was it was it was all every bit of of course you're going to deal with us. You don't have a better deal. This is what we have. We're the Heat. We're going to offer that to you. Things change though. And what happened? Giannis made noise and he said, "I want something. Let's go. I'm not resigning until maybe I feel comfortable." And then something changed and they got a better deal. That's what has to happen. It's the name of the you game. Notice the way Heat over the years have had lofty aspirations about free agency, grabbing all these different guys. They actually don't land many of them. So maybe there's a little time for some self-reflection after they thought they were going to grab you know this great player, that great great player, and they get snubbed constantly. But I think a part of it is that Heat culture. Like they've they've got to find that right guy who's going to come in and be a grinder and blue collar and kind of work hard and fit the mold of that of what they do as the Heat. I think Dame Lillard could have fit into that. I think Drew fits that for sure. He's that sure. kind of guy. But some of these other guys, I don't. They just their personalities. I think if you go there to South Beach, those guys are going to run wild. Yeah, I, I just I think that there was an arrogance of we're offering you the best package. We're Miami, like we're th- this is what we're going to offer. And if you don't take it, well then, pff. like all, all the media commentary coming out of Miami is insane. Yeah. Calling the Portland Trailblazers deplorable and how they're not dealing with them, it's 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 wild.